You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, October 27th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going? So, Ryan, uh, there's some big news that has happened over the past week that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about because of, uh, you know, we had an Andor episode. We had other stuff going on. Uh, actually, today, we were supposed to run a Tales of the Jedi uh, spoiler discussion episode. So you'll hear that tomorrow. It's already been pre-recorded, but we thought this news was too too big not to discuss and that is dc studios which we'll get to in a moment but also they had the world premiere of black panther wakanda forever last night in hollywood it's about what are we like two weeks out from from it being released domestically in theaters i think so yeah November yeah exactly, pretty much exactly two weeks because it technically opens thursday so yeah pretty much exactly two weeks Yes. Uh, so, so, you know, last time I was talking to, to you about this, uh, we were talking about, you know, how much money will this movie do? And I think you and I both came to the conclusion that it it's going to be largely dependent on on the reception of the movie. I, like, is the movie good? And the first one was good. Audiences and critics like the first one. What do people think of the sequel? And no spoilers here, but I'm going to read you a couple quotes from some critics that were at 
the at the world premiere. So Jermaine, who used to work for Slash Film, now at IO9, said Wakanda Forever is an as Epic as Marvel sequels get, the story is hugely ambitious and thematically rewarding with gut-wrenching twists and turns throughout. You you feel the length, but it's fun, wildly beautiful, and has the best credit scene in Marvel history, no contest. Okay, let me read a couple more before we analyze this. Um, KB says, I saw Wakanda Forever and I'm trying to hold space in to really gather my thoughts we'll share more soon but for now i'll say it's a beautiful depiction of how grief and love coexist in the healing and the depths of some of the greatest pain um eric voss said black panther will kind of forever makes it clear how precious chadwick boseman and t'challa were to the mcu without him the film sometimes yearns for a heartbeat it finds it at just the right moment and it's exhilarating I can't wait to see it again. A bunch of people mentioned the the post credit scene being like a big wow, uh, crazy moment. Um, but I, I'm reading between the lines here, Ryan, and it seems like people like this movie, but it seems like it's not as good as the first movie. That's exactly what I'm reading. A lot of it, and look, I don't know, I haven't seen it, but a lot of it because because I've sort of followed this Marvel stuff real close for years and years and even before I was writing about it all the time. And th- the thing that I've learned is like you can sort of tell when the reactions are like genuinely like end game level good or where it's like people trying to say something. I don't, there's this weird thing where it seems like people are almost afraid to, to say negative stuff about Marvel. I don't it, really it, know. It's weird because a world premiere is kind of like you're getting invited to a party, right? Yeah. And yeah. Even if you're a critic getting invited to the party, when you leave the party, you don't want to like sh- you know, crap all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You to party. I'm always honest when I leave a world premiere, but you do need to read between the lines because I'm usually like, I put the positive stuff front facing. Yeah. I definitely get the sense. The big thing I'm getting is that the length isn't necessarily justified and that a lot of the length seems to be like expanding MCU stuff as opposed to like stuff that's hyper-focused on this movie, um, which to me is... I don't know. Again, without having seen it, that would seemingly be a bit of a mistake for me, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm still looking forward to it. I get the sense it's good, but phase four of the MCU to me has been like wildly disappointing. Um, So I would really like to end on a high note and, uh, and, and I'm really hoping this is that high note. Uh, It's interesting. The talk about the post credit scene, I'm actually considering muting all this stuff on Twitter because I don't want to have that (laughs) spoiled if it's that cool. I have no idea what it could possibly be. I will say the thing that excites me most about this is all the reactions. I'll put a link in the show notes uh, so you can read a sampling of the rec- the tweets from people who le- left the theater. Um, all of them seem to harp on it being an emotional uh, movie. Yeah, I have no doubt that Coogler pulls that element off. He wouldn't do it if he didn't think he could do that. The only thing I will say is I did have an element of the post credit sequence spoiled for me. I don't really know context. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't anyone's fault, but I like I well, it's not important. But but yeah, so I know something that's happening, but I don't but <sighs> but for but what's interesting is for people to be saying what they're saying about it, I clearly don't have all of the context. So now I'm even more curious. Yeah, and obviously full reviews are not out right now. This is just like when you get to invited to a world premiere, you, you're able to give your like spoiler-free reaction right when you leave and then like a 
Do you know when the review embargo is? It's probably next week, I'm guessing. No, I'm not sure. I think they're yeah. probably holding it pretty close because they don't. Again, I think they're pretty scared of spoilers for this one. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, watch out when the spoilers hit because it seems like there's some kind of big one in there somewhere. I will say this. There's a I think there's a couple of big ones from what I'm gathering. Like there's a couple of pretty big curveballs, I think. I will say this. I saw some photos from the world premiere. And in the world premiere, on the they shut down Hollywood Boulevard and they put up costumes from the movie, and they put up the costume for the new Black Panther. And even though this costume is just on a mannequin, I could tell who the new Black Panther is. So if that if that's a spoiler, I think the the last trailer kind of maybe if you well, if you the, watch well, it carefully that, reveals who that is but if you're you're hoping to keep to, that secret like it yeah i don't want to reveal it here because i know people get no no, no no i won't reveal it but what i'm saying is that i think the trailer makes it pretty clear who it's supposed to be but the yeah. only thing is like we've talked i've talked to some people about i don't know if it's just that obvious you know maybe that's an element of it but maybe like something else happens. Maybe maybe that person tries to take up the mantle and it doesn't work out, and someone else does. You know what I mean? I yeah, just yeah. wonder if the, I wonder if it's really that simple. You might you might be correct, but I was looking through my Twitter feed and I saw that that costume photo. I was like, ooh, they put that like at the beginning of the red carpet. <laughs> yeah, so we'll um, see. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, briefly before we get into DC Studios. What do you think now that you've heard like the the early buzz coming out of the world premiere? Do you think that this has potential to still overtake the original? I think it'll, I think domestically uh, opening weekend it's still got a chance to get close to or top that. My concern is how people respond to it and what that means for the drop off in the coming weeks and like the in the subsequent weeks. Um, so that would be my thing. Is I still think that opening weekend has a shot to just be like ridiculous. But but again, it's it's what's the drop off from there. My concern is what happens after that ridiculous opening weekend and is the drop off big? Because like we kind of saw that with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness earlier this year. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the last times I was talking to you, we were talking about, you know, who is going to come on board to take over the creative stewardship of the DC universe over at Warner Brothers. And it's funny because days later we got our answer. It's not one person. It's not two people. Uh, the answer to this is uh, some guy named James Gunn and Peter Safran. Who who are these people, Brian? Uh, you know, it's funny. I think it was literally the next day after we talked <laughs> about this. And, and all I'll say, I will say this. I'm not trying and whatever, but, but I believe that I had said on that podcast I'm, that you know what? They might not be able to get one person. They're going to have to get multiple people to sort of, I, if, if I recall, I said you did, something you did along call those that. lines. All you right. Did. So not saying, you know, not trying to, you know, paint myself in a corner here. Just saying I might've said something like that. So what ended up happening was, um, uh, David Zasloff, uh, has officially hired James Gunn, the director of guardians of the galaxy and the suicide squad and producer Peter, Peter Saffron, who produced, um, the suicide squad peacemaker. He also is a big driving force behind the conjuring universe, which again, we talked about last time is perhaps the most successful cinematic universe outside of Marvel. Uh, they are now the co-chairs and co-CEOs of what is called DC studios and is no longer DC films. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there because we haven't even all, started getting into it. That's just the base level, but yeah. Okay, uh, before we get unpack stuff, 
What is your brief reaction to learning this news? I am more optimistic about DC than I've been in a very long time. Um, I, I think this is a bold but good choice. Bold, I think, is the key word for me, especially when you, you hear the name James Gunn. You see what he did with Suicide Squad, too. Um, he's a great director. I love him. I love his films. But if I was thinking of someone to, you know, the ship is on rocky waters or maybe the ship's in pieces. I don't even know what the analogy is. I'm not sure if, like, James Gunn is the captain. I'd be like, oh, let's hire him to correct the, the in courts correct. Uh, but that said, he's a creative visionary that I am glad it's going to be bold. It's going to be interesting. And that's what excites me. Right. And I also think the thing is you got to take the Peter Safran of it all into account. You know, it's not just James Gunn. It's, yeah. it, you know, you have a guy who took a hit horror movie, a good, a good, the conjuring is one of the best horror movies of the last decade. I'm not underselling it. It's a great movie, but yeah. then you take that and you expand that into a full on cinematic universe that has grossed. 10 times at the box office what its budgets have been you know what i mean like that you know so that is literally what dc is looking to do so the combined skill sets there to me are the perfect combination of skill sets if you can't get a kevin feige why don't you get a guy who worked with feige who who has proved now the big thing is look you will have filmmakers and writers and people lined up around the block for 100 years that want to work with batman that want to work with superman that want to work with wonder woman what you need are, are is the ability to sort of execute those characters people are less familiar with. Who has done that better than maybe anyone else in recent memory? James Gunn. Guardians of the Galaxy was a team nobody knew about. Those are now A-list characters. A talking tree and a talking raccoon <laughs> are A-list characters because of James Gunn. The suicide By the way, anytime anybody points that out, I don't think people now, because now hindsight's hard. Do you know what I mean? Like, hindsight's very it, hard. It's hard to realize how impossible Guardians of the Galaxy being like as big as they are is now that we're in it. But like I remember before that movie came out, I was like, I don't think this is going to I don't know. Like, it, I remember I, I have such a vivid memory. I, I rarely have I been so wrong. So I remember it was I was in I believe it was the night I was in theaters to watch Avengers. And I think that was the night the face two slate was that two or three the the next phase was announced and guardians of the galaxy was announced and i was like what that and i read Marvel comics my whole life I'm like what the hell is this and i was waiting for dr strange so i'm like where's dr strange what's with this talking <laughs> raccoon you know i was pissed and then guardians of the galaxy remains one of my favorite superhero movies of all time so yeah the fact that he was able to do that yeah i think it actually is my favorite of the marvel cinematic universe i i i'm not sure i have to evaluate that i've been it's saying super that for years good. but i think that but i think the point is that you you have a guy who look i mean again anyone could do batman super you're gonna have, you're gonna have a-list creators always wanting to take those main characters but what you what you now have is someone who 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 can think outside those lines and 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 do more for you with with those other characters um and that's what you need the most yeah Okay, so what is the other details we know here? So the DCEU doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it it still exists, kind of. I guess there's still remnants of it. But now we're in the the world of uh, it's now just DC, the DC universe. Yeah. So so in the press release, it wasn't like it wasn't like a big item that was made in the press release, but it is now DC Studios, not DC Films. 
Uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran will report directly to David Zasloff and working close with Michael Dulica and Pam Abdi, who run all of Warner Brothers Pictures. But um, throughout the press release, it was made clear that it is now the DC Universe, not the DCEU. So it is DCU. Uh, now from here on out and what that means in practice we don't know uh the main thing is that the joker folly ado uh the joker sequel is strictly a warner brothers pictures concern so that's not going to be under gun and saffron's purview but i also don't suspect that that movie is going to become a trilogy so i think that's a one and done and is really not a concern of theirs uh the, the so um the dcu takes shape from November 1st forward because worth noting November 1st is the official start date for gun and saffron. So we got a few days, but yeah. And uh, I, I know Feige was asked that I forget who asked him. Maybe it was deadline or Hollywood reporter at the premiere last night. He was at um, the premiere of Wakanda forever. And they asked Feige what he thought of it. And he was like, well, I don't have the quote in front of me, but he was like, well, uh, Gunn still has a lot of work to do for us. But after that, I'll be the first in line to see anything he makes. Yeah. So, so, so basically Feige kind of tongue in cheek was like, I don't know how James Gunn is going to have any time for DC until May because guardians of the galaxy volume three comes out in May. And, and, and I think Kevin Feige's probably right about that. Um, I, yeah. I think there's, I, there's probably got to be a little bit of concern on Marvel's point that Gunn's going to be pulled a little bit thin for the next six months. But, but, um, but, but outside of that, uh, it doesn't appear there's any bad blood between Feige and and Gunn at all. And I can't imagine there would be. Why would there be? But one yeah. of the one of the bigger elements of this is that uh, the deal be for Saffron and Gunn is reportedly for four years, uh, which sounds like a long time. But when you consider that, like. Joker Folly Ado isn't even coming out till October 2024. The Batman sequel is supposedly looking at maybe a 2025 release. You know, they've got a lot of Wait, stuff. is is Batman part of this? Well, new so that, DC universe? So I'll get to that in just a second. So I get I guess the thing is that like you have to consider that they have a lot of like sort of stuff they're inheriting that they have to deal with before they can even sort of start executing their vision. And a big part of that is that Matt Reeves is currently develop, de- developing not only a Batman sequel, but possible spinoff films based on villains, two or three shows for HBO Max, and that is just its own version of Batman in its own universe. Now, it is completely unclear up to this point whether or not any of that will fall under the purview of DC Studios and the DCU. Because uh, the problem is, if it doesn't, then you have your A-list biggest superhero not available to you in some way in the DCU, unless you just have two Batmans going at the same time, which is something I don't think Warner Brothers wants. So that's a complicated question that needs answering. Yeah, that, that four-year contract to me doesn't sound like, that sounds like a development contract. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're not going to see anything that they're working on for two and a half, three years. Right, and so but, but so what I think, and I would and I would imagine that that the studio is smart enough to, to know what the situation was, that they're not going to judge this too harshly, like, come 2026 if, you know, they haven't made $8 billion at the box office because they're, they're sort of just getting the gears moving. So it's going to be more about what are they developing, what little do we have to show, do things look like they're on a better track, and does that slate that they've developed look promising enough to... to keep the train going. So um, I think that I think that four years is more of like the smallest amount of time that you can test the waters for both sides, because you got to remember, James Gunn wasn't an executive. He was a filmmaker. 
And now he can still direct and produce stuff exclusively for DC, but he may not love this job. He may not want to keep this job after four <laughs> years. You know, we don't know. That's a strong possibility. I mean, he's a, uh, you know, the definition of a creative person. And when you are working for a studio in this kind of position, I got, I, I got to imagine it's a compromise. It's a, a bigger compromise than when you are a filmmaker making a film. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> either that, this. either that or DC is really desperate to get things moving. And like, yeah. You know, like James Gunn maybe will get to exercise a lot of creative vision. One of my biggest questions is like, right now you have The Rock, Black Adam is a success in several kind ways. Of. Yeah, um, that is a big ego, and Matt Reeves is kind of a big personality, big big guy, and J.J. Abrams is kind of on the periphery of that too. How on earth is that meeting going to look like when those three sit down in a room with? with James Gunn and Peter Saffron and James Gunn and Peter Saffron are trying to lay the law of the land to those guys. Um, does mm. that meeting go well? <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's that to me is kind of like a, I'd be curious to see how that, how the dust settles there. Yeah. What do you think this is going to be like when, you know, when Gunn and Saffron have the time, like, is there going to be like a writer's room to kind of, uh, architect i believe i saw in variety that there was some talk of like at least like 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 agents and stuff the prospect of gun putting together a writer's room you know to sort of pitch the future of the dcu or whatever um yeah i think that would absolutely kind of be sort of like what they did with the MonsterVerse years ago um yeah. i th i think i think that would be on the table for sure i mean <laughs> what we're lacking is a cohesive dc universe and it's interesting because you have all this these remnants which we've already harped on and we've already talked to death about that but like uh i mean Zack snyder say what you will about Zack snyder but the the beginnings of his dceu it was a cohesive vision it just wasn't the vision that everybody wanted it was it was not uh but but <laughs> but that's also but that's also i think and and i might end up writing something about this for slash film here shortly but the biggest problem the DC has faced in, in not being able to match Marvel in a lot of ways is that they jumped the gun. Instead of making Man of Steel 2, you made Batman v Superman and trying to cobble together a universe quickly. And they have been chasing their tails ever since. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Snyder did have a vision. It just wasn't the... Yeah, you're right. It wasn't the vision that everyone wanted. Um, I know a lot of people like that vision, but I'm saying you, it's inarguable yeah. that that was not like a... you know it. But but I think the big thing is like it must be Gunn is a smart guy. Saffron is a very smart oh, but, guy. But say say this though, like looking back at uh, Snyder's vision, not to stick on this too long, but um, you know he decided to go darker. He decided uh, you can't compete with Marvel making Marvel movies over at DC. Do you know what I mean? Like you need to. Do something else. And I, I I think we saw that with Justice League and what Josh Whedon kind of turned out, which was kind of like a, uh, a half-assed Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of, of sorts. So I, I respect that there was a vision there. And that, that's what I'm most excited about here, that we're going we're gonna to have a vision. So I'm guessing what, what I'm leading to here, Ryan, is what, do you, what would you like to see the vision be from Saffron and Gunn? I don't know. The, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah, for the future of DC Studios. I guess for me, I've never been as much of a DC guy, like, overall. I, I've always been more of a Marvel guy, but uh, but I do think what you need is a different side of that coin. 
I think phase four of the MCU has burned me out because it's felt like a lot of the same. And anytime they're trying something new, they're still clearly playing it too safe. And it like annoys the hell out of me. Um, so I, I think that's also what annoyed me about black Adam a little bit is that it just felt like a superhero movie. We've seen a bunch of times, not that it was bad, just that it, it didn't feel, you know, as I don't know, I guess interesting as it could have. Um, I, I think Gunn is a guy who knows how to do interesting things and is willing to take those chances. And I think at this point, like you, you're, you're at a situation where you can take big swings because you don't have a lot to lose. Um, so I think, yeah, do, do different stuff. You DC's characters are very different than Marvel characters. Even like the characters that are meant to be copies of others are very different. Dark side is very different than Thanos, you know? So like you, you have, you, you know, uh, uh, Deathstroke is not Deadpool, you know, like you can, you can, you know, utilize those differences in a big way. And, and I think, yeah, maybe you can be the more adult answer to things. I don't know what the, I don't know what that really looks like, but, but yeah, I, I just think be different and, and don't play it too safe. But I do think one of the things I do want to see is them after sort of getting away from the hand, the small handful of projects they've inherited, do, do execute your vision. Don't. Yeah scrap projects if you need to just you need to exit you need to make something slightly cohesive uh you gotta find a way and i and i know that's tricky with henry cavill coming back as superman and i know that's tricky with batman being in his own universe but you gotta you gotta find a way you just have to i'll say this i'm a huge fan of the marvel movies but in the comics i'm a bigger fan of the dc comics I feel like there's stories in DC that are, are much better, uh, especially like trade paperbacks. I, I, I used to live off DC trade paper or uh, I guess graphic novel. I, I guess they're compilations. So they're trade paper, paperbacks of like series like The Long Halloween or like stuff like that. I think DC has some strong source material. What I would like to see is for years, we uh, filmmakers and studios have been embarrassed of the comic book source material in kind of doing their own thing. And what Marvel has kind of done is they've, a lot of their films are based on comic book arcs. Very, I mean, it, it's loose and they, they plus it up, but I think I would like to see DC do that. I would like to see some adaptation, like some actual adaptations of some of the comic book runs over yeah. at DC studios. Well, and that's, what's interesting too, is like, if you look at one area that DC has just absolutely, destroyed marvel in unequivocally for oh well over a decade it's animation um like it's not even marvel well, that's is, because they're adapting the the a lot of that is those animated movies are adapting or at least loosely adapting those but i mean like it is not even sort of close like that's the one thing i i, I mean it is just marvel isn't even playing that sport like they're not even you know they've been trying lately but even so, with the, I mean, DC, DC unequivocally destroys Marvel in that department. So, like, you know, there's a model for DC success there. You know, you, you, you apply some of those lessons to the live action universe. I don't see why you can't. Um, you know, you just scale it up a bit. Uh, but but uh, but yeah, you, to your point, that's got a lot to do with adapting those storylines. And there are plenty. There are plenty. So, you know. Uh, There's lots of them. And the other thing I want to say about Gunn and Saffron is they both seem like people that are going to be filmmaker first. 
which is something like there's a heritage, there's a legacy of that in Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers of- is maybe the filmmaker studio for sure. Like, and and yeah, and I think, but like, I think Gunn is a filmmaker. That's why. Yeah. Peter Safran is a guy that like really the only reason any of those conjuring movies are any good is because a filmmaker comes in and says, Hey, I know what to do with Annabelle, you know, like, and, and, and it works like, you know, Annabelle creation had no business being as good as it was, but David F. Sandberg had a way to make it good. Like, so, you know, that's a lot of that's Peter Safran. And like, he's a guy that knows how to talk with talent, negotiate with talent, get talent, you know, I don't know. So I, I do see the combination of skills there being exciting. My, I guess the only other X factor is David Zaslov and and navigating around him, I guess, because because, you know, as we've seen, he's pretty they're still trying to keep a pretty tight lid on the budget and stuff. And and they're more concerned with movies rather than like streaming shows and stuff. So I think this is going to be more cinematic than it will be streaming, which is another interesting element of it all. Yeah. Uh, is, is there any other aspect of this that we didn't dive into? Uh, I guess just one of the things that in the press release we should focus. So what DC Studios will do exactly if there is something that is like a mission statement. Uh, what the press release said was Gunn and Saffron will spearhead the development and execution of a long term plan for the many properties licensed from DC Comics focused on continuing the tradition of high quality storytelling for the DC universe across audiovisual media while building a sustainable growth business out of out of the iconic franchise. In addition to their executive responsibilities, Gunn and Saffron will develop, direct and produce projects. So that's kind of the, the base mission of what they're going to try to do. Yeah, I mean that basically seems like what we were envisioning. Right. Them architecting, them uh hiring people to to you know turn that vision into their own creative. Um, it's, it's just films. fascinating to think of Gunn, a guy who was almost out of the business entirely a few years ago and was talking <laughs> about like he talked one of the most interesting things I ever heard him say was he talked about like the day that all those Marvel tweets, those old tweets, like cost him the job on Guardians of the Galaxy three. He thought he was never going to work again, and he was looking at selling his his house and figuring out if he could make the money that he had made last him for the rest of his life because he was probably never going to work again. And and now he is one of the most powerful <laughs> people in Hollywood, and he's going to be the one green lighting projects, and it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, they tried to strike him down, and now he's become. More powerful more than powerful anyone. Than- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll put links in the show notes to all our coverage of this. Uh, there's a lot to dive into, a lot that we didn't even cover. Uh, this podcast, Slash Home Daily, is published on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify every weekday. Please subscribe to our newsletter. I'll put a link in the show notes and uh, send us your feedback questions, comments, concerns to Peter at social.com. And please rate and read this podcast and Apple podcast. Tell your friends, spread the word. And we'll be back tomorrow with that tales of the Jedi episode that way that I promised. See you then. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.